just when you think you know someone, they go off and write a book. We will talk to our very own jujitsu master on his works and maybe even learn a little something we didn't know before. From the dojo to the octagon, we bring you the Jiu-Jitsu Master Podcast! Welcome to a new edition of the Jiu-Jitsu Master Podcast. This is your co-host, Sri Pendikatla, and with me is esteemed co-host, Shihan Russ St. Hilaire, 7th degree black belt in Kobukai Jiu-Jitsu. It's great to have another podcast with you, Shihan. Yes, it's great to be back, Sri. It's been a while. It's been a very interesting year, uh, but we've all made it through. So I'm excited to get back and and talk about an interesting subject today. That's right. For this podcast, we're going to talk to you as a book author, and namely the contractor, the Sandbox. Yes, that was my uh, first novel that I wrote, and it has a very interesting background on on why I wrote it, and I'm hoping we'll chat about that today. Yeah, so really looking forward to it, so let's get right into it. So that was one of my first questions, is was this your first book? You said it was your first novel. Right, so it is my first novel, but not my first book. Um, My first book was actually a book called Pioneers of American Jiu-Jitsu, and you know, it was a, uh, a book that brought a lot of data and information and documents and photographs together about the earliest beginnings of jiu-jitsu in America. So there were plenty of people from the U.S. and other countries that were studying Japanese jiu-jitsu uh, in Asia, um, in China, and in Japan. And then they came to the United States around the turn of the 20th century and really influenced a lot of different areas of the country. Um, and, you know, from physical fitness to women's suffrage to military training. And so uh, it's, a, it's a great conglomeration of stories of all of these characters that, uh, that came over before World War II and really started uh, jujitsu in America. Um, but that, you know, that's a work, uh, not a work of fiction, you know, that's, that's all historical information. Um, this book is a uh, fiction novel, an action fiction novel, uh, based off of a lot of things that, that happened in real life. And it was my first attempt to really, you know, write a novel where, you know, you had to really think through the entire plot line and do character development and um, do a ton, a ton of research and then figure out, you know, what are the what's the work that you have to do for editing and formatting and everything to actually publish a book. Um, so yeah, this was my first novel. Great. And, uh, I, I've also read your second novel, the contractor, uh, death spiral. So we're going to be doing another podcast, uh, following up on this one to talk about that book as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah. This is going to be a three book series, um, a trilogy, uh, around the main character, Nick Branson. So I'm glad you got to the second book and, and the third book isn't too far away. Well, I can't wait. Would you want to give us a quick synopsis uh, without giving away maybe too many spoilers? Absolutely, absolutely. So the uh, the main character is this guy named Nick Branson and he was a Navy SEAL and then he decided to move into the private military contracting world, uh, which we all heard about during the Gulf War. And he uh, is on one of his many 
missions uh, in Iraq. Um, and he has a job uh, as a high-risk security uh, agent. So what I mean by that is most of the things that he does puts him in a very high-risk situation. So he's not like guarding, uh, you know, a, a, a motor pool or he's not a security guard at a building. Um, you know, he's moving, running and gunning, as I like to say. And, and he is tasked with taking a CIA interrogator uh, around to various parts of Iraq to um, meet with and interrogate, you know, parties of interest that have information that can either protect our military or, or help our military. And so, um, you know, he is tasked with protecting this person. And Iraq is a dangerous uh, place at, at the time that this book takes place. Um, however, what he does not know is that uh, the person that he is protecting is also uh, involved in some things that he is unaware of. And, and suddenly he finds himself in all kinds of unexpected situations. He doesn't really understand what's going on, but slowly he figures out what's happening. And um, it's, it's, it's a very dangerous situation. And he finds himself having to fight um, several different types of adversaries uh, across the war-torn sands of Iraq. So it's a, it's a pretty action-filled novel, and it keeps you on the edge of your seat pretty much the entire thing. Oh, that's for sure. I, was, uh, I couldn't put the book down once I, once I got into it. So. Um, and it's a very interesting and exciting uh, plot line and the settings. I, I thought you did a, an amazing job world-building, and it, 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 it jumps around you know, different countries and, and languages and all of that. But um, So where did you get the idea for the book in the first place? Oh, that's, well, this is a great story in itself. Um, so the, the book itself is very loosely fictionally based off of someone that I know and some of the adventures he had in his life. Um, as you know, uh, I was in the military. Uh, this person that I know um, also was in the military and was, in fact, a Navy SEAL and then became a private military contractor. And sort of over the years as I knew him, um, you know, he would relate, you know, short stories here and there about some of his adventures, things that, you know, weren't, you know, top secret type things, but just kind of letting me know what it was like because I was very interested in in the protection field. Um, you know, being a, a, a martial artist and also being a certified personal protection um, agent. And uh, so he would tell me these stories and they were just really adventurous and crazy. And, you know, to, to actually know somebody who was going through that was, was just so cool. And there was a, a point in time where he was back from one of his missions and I was at his house with some of his friends we're sitting around a bonfire, we're having a beer and we're talking. And, and one of his friends knew that I did jujitsu and just simply said, Hey, you know, you're a martial artist. Have you ever been in a fight? So I just, you know, told him about the couple of small altercations I had had in my lifetime. And then kind of everybody took a little turn at talking about, you know, maybe a scrap they had in high school or, you know, somebody got into a fight at a party while he was in college or whatever. And we all had a good laugh. And the entire time, uh, our friend is sitting there silent 
and eventually it, it comes around to him and somebody says, hey, um, what about you? Have you ever been in a fight? And of course, he starts out his story with a long sigh and then says... <laughs> one time in a bar in Uzbekistan and he didn't he didn't even get to go past that we all just burst into laughter because of course that's how he's going to start his story at a bar in Uzbekistan um, because that's just how his life is and uh, it was kind of at that point I was like man somebody should write these things down your stories are just like outrageous well a little bit later I decided to do that I actually tried to remember all the things he had mentioned to me over the years and I just kind of wrote them down and I thought to myself you know what this would make a great book like if somebody wrote this book I would totally read it so I, I, I just said listen I'm gonna try to write and I had to learn how to write that type of a of a novel um, so I took a lot of his adventures uh, I kind of came up with a completely fictional plot and wove some of his stories into that plot. Some of them I changed slightly um, and wove a lot of characters into the book that are all real people that I know. I mean, the characters as described in the book aren't exactly the people that I know, but they, they capture the essence of the people that I know. And yeah, I, that I gave recognize me the ability. So. Yeah, yeah, you recognize a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. It, it just yeah. gave me the ability to sort of describe them better and make it more realistic. So, so that's how the book came about. It was kind of a you know a labor of love that I just wanted to you know put his stories out there and and hoped he would enjoy seeing them in a fictional story, which you know, he did. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that you were also a private security contractor after getting out of the military yourself. So, were there any um, stories or? experiences from uh, from your own life that you also wove into the into the book there were a few now I wasn't what um, my friend was he was a private military contractor essentially hired you know by the military to supplement operations you know he he works for a company that does that um, I had gone through executive protection training so the type of protection that I do um, would be, you know, executive protection, um, you know, uh, protection in, you know, sort of domestic violence situations, um, VIP protection escort at public events, that that sort of thing. So, you know, much different than uh, my friend who, you know, is wearing body armor and and running around foreign countries with large weapons. Um, but there were some. I would say uh, techniques and tactics that uh, are common that, you know, I had personal knowledge about that I was able to weave that detail into um, the book. Uh, I, I use more of that in the second uh, book than I do in the first book, um, which if you listen to the next podcast, you'll find out why. Uh, but yeah, I did weave a little of my own knowledge into the book. And can you share a little bit of your process for writing the book? Uh, um, and I know you had to also uh, talk to your, your friend and, and call upon your own experiences. So, you know, how did that all play into that? Sure. So um, the process basically started out with thinking of a, a plot line from, from beginning to end, not with a ton of detail, but just, you know, here's the setting. Here's what the character is faced with. Here is uh, his mission. Then here is what's going to happen to him 
uh, in that situation, uh, just based off of, you know, world events. And then, of course, we have the antagonist. We always have to put an antagonist in there. So it's it's something that's creating roadblocks uh, for the main character. That's always an important part of the story. And then his uh, his actions and activities to try to resolve or, or get through those roadblocks and, and succeed at his mission. So that was sort of the beginning part. Um, I also knew I wanted to have some twists and turns in the story, so I had a few ideas around that. And then uh, pretty early on, I came up with the concept of the story behind the story. So, it, you know, in this first book, Nick Branson is, um, again, he's trying to fulfill his mission. And what he doesn't understand is there is another uh, mission going on sort of behind his mission that he's unaware of. And this is what's causing him all of his issues. So we have this, you know, sort of uh, CIA government uh, type of conspiracy going on that, you know, that the character is unaware of, but slowly discovers. So that's sort of the mystery and the suspense in the story. So I came up with that, that type of plot line. Then I knew I had specific settings. And because of some of the stories that I was told, I, I kind of knew what cities and, and towns and what military units were involved and, and all of that. So then I had to go about and do a ton of research. I, I keep a very large online notebook of all the locations, maps of all the lo locations, uh, history of the real events, you know, newspaper articles, everything that had to do with sort of the scenes and the settings and the history of, of the moment. So the research actually took uh, a good amount of time. Some of it was done up front. Some of it was done as I, as I went along. Um, and then I also have a favorite author. Uh, his name's David Morell. And um, he does mystery, suspense, you know, military, CIA type stuff. And, and he writes in a specific cadence where he'll present a couple of chapters that um, have to do with you know the same uh, setting in the story, the same things, the same characters, and then suddenly he'll abruptly stop and move to a completely different scene, a completely different set of characters, and begin to develop them. And what I liked about that is when you moved off to this other scene and this other set of characters, you were certainly enjoying everything you read and all these characters were developing, but in the back of your head, you were like, yeah, but I want to know what happened to the first set of characters in their settings, right? So it, it kind of drags you through the book. Like you can't wait to get back to learning about what was happening, you know, previous to what you're reading. And so I try to incorporate that technique somewhat in into the book. Um, I also had to make a choice around voice. So I decided in this first book, um, this was going to be uh, a story being told by a narrator to the reader about Nick Branson and his adventures. So um, I had to set set that tone and that voice. Um, once I had that all in place, I actually did a paragraph for what I thought would be each chapter. And I just wrote a paragraph about what was going to be in in each chapter and I juggled them around a little bit until the, the story sort of made sense in my head. And then you just start writing. Um, and you know, the way I write is I write all the way through from beginning to end. And then I go back and I reread the whole thing and edit along the way. And then I go back and I edit for voice and then I edit for continuity. Um, so there's, you know, I would say there's more editing than writing when you write a, a novel. <laughs> uh, but um, it did take me about a year 
to write. Uh, I can actually go faster now that I have more experience. But it took me about a year to write. And, and believe it or not, I would say about 90% of the writing was done sitting in my car <clears throat> in the parking lot at work uh, during my lunch break. And I would go out with my laptop for an hour and I would just write and then uh, go back to work. And I did that pretty much solidly for a year. And of course, I did some writing at home and on the weekends. But the vast majority was done sitting in my car in the parking lot at work on the first book. Uh, that must have taken a, a tremendous amount of discipline to uh, to keep up with that and to get to the end there. You know, the discipline really came in all on all of the editing and the formatting, because um, I would say that's not the fun part. Writing the story was just, it was fun. <clears throat> it was really just good kind of imagining the scenes and the situations and being descriptive and thinking back to my own uh, military experiences and being able to describe, you know, weapons and helicopters and planes and deserts and everything from my own personal experience. And, and it was kind of cool um, just putting that down in the written word. Yeah. And if anyone had a, any question about your experience or whether you were the real deal or not um i think this the this this proves it in writing that you you have had that experience and and you know what you're talking about because there was no point in in the book where i was reading like mm, that doesn't seem right or or uh, <laughs> maybe that's a little exaggerated no I, there was nothing like that it all felt very realistic and to the down to the level of where um you were describing scenes and things that were happening and events that were taking place for all intents and purposes it, it almost felt like a you know a historical fiction to to put it no that uh, is a that is a correct term historical fiction is is fiction fictional plot lines and fictional characters sometimes even real characters that are woven into the real fabric of of history and, and events and you know for anybody that was involved in the Gulf War, um, they'll, they'll definitely recognize specific things, specific places. Um, you know, I even went down to the detail of just talking about somebody walking through a hallway and uh, in a specific building. And I went and found photographs of that hallway so that I could describe exactly what it looked like. And there was a mural on the wall and, and all of that. So if anybody had ever been to these places, you know, they would immediately recognize, you know, the descriptions. So I wanted to get to that level of detail while still making it fun and and action-packed and a fast read, you know. And you know, there's a great deal of military and war-related acronyms that I noticed in the, in the book and, you know, as a layperson never being in the service, did uh, some of the former service men and women recognize those and and how common or obscure are those terms that you used in the book? Yeah, they're all very common military terms. So anybody that was in any branch of the military or, you know, security or even just interested in that sort of stuff would certainly recognize all of the acronyms. Uh, and I tried to take the opportunity on some of the more obscure acronyms to, you know, somehow describe them within what I was writing so that if you saw them again, you would know what it was. But, you know, other ones that were so common, I just left them the way they are. And, and if somebody wasn't familiar, I'd hope they'd just go Google them. Um, but I, I wanted the the speech between the characters and the thought processes to be sort of in the language of the military. Um, you know, there is, um, you know, there's some surly language in the book for sure. Um, 
you know, not, not, not appropriate for, you know, an eight-year-old kid to be reading. Um, however, I can tell you from my own personal experience, I actually toned it down from some <laughs> of the language that's actually used in the military. Um, so, you know, I, I just did want it to have the essence of a conversation you would have had with a battle buddy. And I, and I think I at least captured that at, at some level. Oh, for sure. For me, at first getting into it, that was the first thing that I noticed. It was the prose was very, like, kind of, I call it everyman speak or very colloquial. It was easy to follow, don't get me wrong, but it was it was rough around the edges. And, and then I was wondering, like, oh, was that intentional? Did he, did he really? It was. That's... Yep, it, it was. Um, you know, when you're in situations where, you know, People might be shooting at you and you have to make very quick decisions. Um, the language is very direct, very curt, uh, often filled with expletives and, <laughs> and, and bad language to get the point across under, under stress. Um, so, I, so I did try to capture that. Um, and I think uh, readers will notice that in dialogue between military people. It is exactly that. But sometimes when I'm capturing thoughts and when someone's thinking through situations, you know, you'll see that it's a little bit more eloquent uh, language than when they're actually speaking to each other. Yeah. And I think that really set the tone and gave it another aspect of the realism and putting the reader in into the world that you're uh, kind of building and, and exploring there. So uh, I think you did a really I'm great glad you felt there. that. You know, you mentioned your uh, your favorite author and um, and some of the way that other um, his books were written. I, I'm not actually familiar with him, but I might check it out later. I thought you had your own unique voice here, and and one of the facets that I I noticed and I was really fascinated by, was really interested in exploring with you, was that there seemed to really be no ulterior agenda in your book, and. I felt like that was both difficult to pull off and uh, easy to fall into in uh, today's over-politicization of everything. It seems that there's so many extremes, even in the settings that you described during the Iraq War, but your characters and themes seem overarchingly neutral as it pertains entirely to war, although there are aspects of politics involved, but not the way that you would you would traditionally expect and what really drove the characters and and the different countries that were in um, in play. So um, I'm glad so, you noticed that. Yeah, and, and and I wanted to find out from you, like, what was your intent there, and do politics ever come into play when people are in the service, uh, or just do they put that aside and follow rules um, and orders begrudgingly, even if they do go against their um, commonly held beliefs? And is that a, a theme or an aspect that you even that you considered? It was uh, something that I considered. I, I definitely did not want the book uh, to have any kind of political opinion about the Iraq war. Um, you know, this was a, a work of entertainment and I wanted people to be entertained by it and not have to feel one way or the other. So I choose to address that actually in several different ways. Number one, I, I wanted the characters to be, I'm going to, I'm going to call it neutral politically um, but very focused on the success of their mission. And that's very much how it is in the military. Um, you know, you may belong to a political party, but really at the end of the day, you know, you respect, as an example, the office of the president of the United States, as opposed to the person sitting in office. Um, and, you know, you are there to, you know, protect your country against all enemies, you know, foreign or domestic. And, you know, you, you sort of take these oaths 
And you really have to remain neutral uh, in order to um, fulfill the mission. Because I think if you get too emotionally involved, number one, you'll make bad decisions you know, when it really counts. And number two, you you probably, you know, think twice uh, about things, which, you know, in combat just basically means you're dead. You know, you, you if you have to go back and forth and make a decision, it's it's going to be too slow. Same as in martial arts, you know, you have to just act. Um, so I, I tried to remove that completely from uh, the characters. However, I did want to also um, address the fact that many wars um, and conflicts around the world are not what they appear to be. The, the obvious is there is two opposing sides and two opposing ideologies, right? That, that's the simple thing to, uh, to think about, right? The general populace can just say, you know, we think that way, they think that way, and therefore we're enemies. But it's often motivated by completely different things. It could be industry, it could be, you know, political maneuverings, it could be um, history of cultures, like all kinds of different things that actually cause and keep these things going. Uh, and in this book, um, I specifically was addressing the, the behind the scenes machinations of the government and how uh, I touched on how conflicts get funded. And that's not something that people really think about that much, right? It just happens. There's people out there and they're fighting and, but you don't think about like how much it costs to move people and ammunitions and, and, uh, you know, pay soldiers and work with other countries as allies. And there's all that that goes on that doesn't have anything to do with what's going on on the battlefield. So I really wanted to touch on that and show how some things like that happen behind the scenes and are, are actually the instigators uh, or the engine for conflict. Um, so that's that's really where I put, I guess I can kind of call it political, but it, it wasn't political as in po political ideology. It was more political as in political um, machinations that sort of happen behind the scenes that we rarely think about or rarely see. Nothing popped out at me from reading that you were taking one side or another or uh, uh, expressing some political view and, and, you know, I have to actually commend you for that because that was one of the reasons I initially, um, took me a while. You, you, you came out with this book, what, what year? Um, I believe that was in 2005. Wow. I think is when I first came out with that. And I did a second edition, um, about two years ago, uh, where, um, knowing that I was continuing on with the trilogy, I wanted to ensure that there was continuity through some of the storylines. Uh, I made some slight edits and uh, included some additional information in the, in the second edition just to make sure it really flows with the other two books. But yeah, it's actually been, been around for a while now. And it took me a, a while, I'd say years, to... I had it in my possession, but didn't actually um, get to reading it because... You know, it's one of those things where you know you 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 were my sensei for a very short time, and then you became the the shihan, and um and I trained under under you and in your in your school and your style for for a long period of time, and you know you became my my mentor and friend as well, and and it's one of those things where like do I when I read this book, what what am I going to find out about this man, this figure that I've built up in my head, and I think maybe uh, a lot of uh, your other students may may share that sentiment where. 
do we do we really want to know um, more than what we see in the dojo kind of thing? And and so, what did you feel about that? Do do you think it revealed anything about me that you didn't know or hadn't thought of, or did you feel like it was in alignment with the personality that you know? I felt it was an enhancement to the Shihan Russ Saint Hilaire that I know, and um, and I I felt like there was a, a side of you that was uh, that kind of the, the human side. Right. You, 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 when you were younger, you were, you did different things and you, you, you were in the military and, you know, a side of you that I really didn't have much, um, uh, involvement with or, uh, knowledge of that, that kind of came to light and like, okay, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a regular person in that, in that respect. Um, but also I, I thought that, you know, the fact that you actually wrote and, um, you know, brought a different kind of color to your, to who you are. So I just say it was more of a, more of an enhanced uh, view of you rather than anything that was kind of um, off-putting or, uh, or or mind-blowing that, oh, I didn't know that about, uh, about you. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. And, and you know, one, one of the other things I was really impressed by the book, Shihan, was, um, you know, myself, I, I'm somewhat acquainted with uh, um, Islamic culture, um, having come from a predominantly uh, Muslim city in India, myself, although I didn't spend a lot of time there, I did visit on occasion, and the settings and the scenes that you described in the book were were just really spot on from kind of that aspect. And then taking that a little further, you know, I lived through 9-11 like everybody else did in, in, in the U.S., coming from, a, I'm kind of a, maybe a, a different audience than, than other um, audiences that you may have for the book where, you know, kind of I was on the, uh, perhaps on the, on the, receiving end of, uh, you know, looks or stares after, you know, in the post 9-11 world, um, you know, sure. <laughs> not warranted, but, you know, that's just the way um, well, it is war, yep. you know, war, that's what war does, right? But um, it pits people on, on sides. But I was really just impressed by the fact that you were able to describe not having come from that background, how accurately it was. And I think, I think you talked a little bit about that earlier, too. Yeah, that's definitely a product of research. Um, you know, I have always been very interested in world religions. So, you know, just from my own personal study of, uh, you know, familiar with the tenets of, of many. Um, but, you know, in this case, in order to make it realistic, uh, in order to use phrases, in order to describe mosques or other other settings, um, I really had to do my research. And I spent a lot of time reading and collecting photographs and watching videos and just trying to capture the the essence uh, of that. Um, you know, I certainly don't ever get into any kind of, you know, religious beliefs or any of that kind of stuff in my books. But I, I definitely wanted, I mean, I felt it was necessary to touch on that because it was such an important piece of um, the Gulf War that, you know, that that had to be included. And I also tried to give, I guess I'll call it viewpoints or um, experiences from sort of both sides. So, you know, you get to feel how it is from both sides of the situation, not, not pointing to anyone being right or wrong, but understanding that sort of right and wrong is a perception from whichever side you're on, right? And everybody's going through the same horrible experience. So... Um, you know, I definitely wanted to touch on that to give it some humanity. And I definitely do that through the other books too. I'm, I'm always sort of subconsciously posing the question of, 
you know, what's really going on here? Um, what is right and wrong? And is it really just a perception? Um, and then just the humanity of we're all trying to survive the same stuff all the time. So there's just a teeny bit of that in there. I mean, it wasn't a purposeful message, but I did want to, I did want to touch on that, uh, in the book and, and it, it would have been unrealistic to, you know, not have some of the biases that I, I maybe showed in some of the characters, you know, towards their enemy or, or towards Muslims, because that would have been part of, you know, the dialogue. Sure, um, sure during that. But then, you know, there's also situations in the book, which I won't give away, where, um, you know, we see people on the other side uh, subject to attacks from our side and, and what it was like to be on that side of the situation. So I feel I felt it gave it, gave it some depth to the characters. It gave some motivations to some of the activities of the characters. Uh, so hopefully, and, and from what you say it, it did, hopefully it came through the way I wanted it to. And, and that's so incredibly hard to pull off these days. I, I think that it's so easy to, to get um, caught up in the, uh, you know, maelstrom of the, um, you know, politicize, politicization or um, taking a side or extreme and, and just kind of uh, dehumanizing one side or another. But you clearly did humanize the, um, you know, the quote unquote enemy. It's kind of kind of hard to tell sometimes at least if you if you take yourself out of the the situation but you certainly didn't scapegoat anybody and um, nope nope absolutely not but just wanted to give it a realistic feel yeah definitely that 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 really came through so uh you know i definitely commend you for uh for that i appreciate that sorry thanks so let's talk a little bit about the jujitsu and the and the fight scenes in the books yes for, for somebody who's done jujitsu and for our other readers and listeners that are um that that have done martial arts and can recognize uh some of those i certainly did can you talk a little bit about how that was to uh to incorporate jujitsu into into your work sure so you know doing uh an action adventure military historical fiction book i I just could not write it without having fight scenes in it and more than just, you know, firefights like you would in the military, but hand to hand combat situations. And, um, I really wanted to, uh, kind of touch on two aspects of it. Um, I wanted to touch on the self-defense jujitsu aspect. And I also wanted to touch on the military combatives, jujitsu aspect and and how those are different in different settings and and what you have to deal with in in real life um when you're doing uh you know when you're doing jujitsu like that and of course being a jujitsu guy my whole life i i really wanted to get into the description in a way that people that weren't in jujitsu would would recognize what i was talking about if they've ever even seen like you know UFC or watch the YouTube video, they, they'd know what I was talking about um, without using specific, you know, technical names for the techniques. So I really had a, a great time writing those, although I'll tell you, it's really, really hard to write um, because, you know, you're you're thinking to yourself in your head, okay, do I do that with my right hand or my left hand? And, and if I'm describing it from the other person's standpoint, you know, which hand is it? And you know, okay, now I'm, I'm doing something on a mountainside or I'm doing something going up and down stairs in a building in Iraq. And what other kind of things do I have to take into consideration? And what would be realistic techniques for those kind of settings? So it took a little while to write them. I actually rewrote them a couple of times, uh, but, but it was great fun. And 
I feel like anybody who knows me may have been slightly disappointed if I didn't include, you know, <laughs> hand-to-hand combat and jujitsu in the book. So I really wanted to do that. And uh, I've, I've tried to do that across all the books in, yeah, some, the, in some way. Yeah, it came out really, really good. And, um, and even one of, the, one of the characters in the scenes takes place in, uh, in New England in a, in a barn. And I'm like, oh, that's not all that uh, different than uh, when we were training in your dojo. And your <laughs> yeah, so I'd l- love to just really briefly tell you about that because that setting... Um, is the house that I grew up in, in New Hampshire, uh, including the barn where my parents had an antique business for a number of years. So um, I just took that setting and then thought about how we used to train at the Hambu Dojo on my property and kind of mixed the two together, made it a little bit more combatives oriented than traditional jujitsu oriented. And and it just gave me a good way to describe, uh, describe the setting and, and make it feel make it feel real because those places, you know, are real. Right. And speaking of, of real, I mean, you did mention that your friend who was the ex Navy SEAL um, talked about a lot of the experiences that, that he's, he was been through. So um, um, it's incredible that I, I can't really tell, to be honest with you in the, after reading the book, which of those scenes was real. So every, in the back of my mind, I was always constantly like, this really happened? Could this really have happened? <laughs> and so <laughs> I know you're not going to admit that now, but so that's that's kind of the mystery and the intrigue that's uh, that's really exciting uh, um, facet of the book. Yeah, I, I can say that there are scenes and uh, occurrences in the book that actually happened. There are a few of the main situations uh, that actually happened. And then there are some that are rewritten in a way because... Um, it would, if I really describe exactly how it was, you know, people would know who this person is. So I, I changed that slightly. There were some also, also some military and protection details that, um, I left out or changed because, you know, I, I don't want to give away our, our tactics. Um, even though what I was writing about now is, is, uh, you know, whatever, 20, 30 years ago uh, in the first book, um, so probably not relevant anymore, but I, I, I made sure I did that. I also ran a lot of this stuff by my friend just to make sure that, you know, stuff wasn't giving away, you know, any kind of operational security, you know, type type stuff, and so all of that was cleared, and, and then as we move into the other books, um, it, you know, there are... Uh, scenes and occurrences that are, are capture the essence of things that happen, but, you know, they, they become um, more fictional uh, than, than the first book. Um, although there's plenty of stuff in there that is, that is still real, but uh, yeah, we, we did make sure that um, a good portion of what's in the first book uh, happened. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff in the first book too, that doesn't involve the character um, that, I took directly from the headlines. I mean, I, I did just my research on exactly what was happening in certain cities at certain times on certain dates with specific military units and stuff and really just took that from, from true history and then wove, you know, some of the fictional plot around that. Yeah, that, it was it was pretty seamless, so I'd, I'd have to say. So what was your friend's reaction after you wrote and published the book? And, and this is so him too. My My expectation was that as a real operator, he would read through sort of with the technicalities in mind and maybe poke holes at things that I wrote or, you know, that sort of stuff. And, and his reaction was, I thought it was pretty funny. 
and, and, and I was like, okay, all right, that really fits his personality because he's one of these people that he can get into the hairiest situations. And oftentimes, uh, because he's an adrenaline junkie, he puts himself into these, you know, really dangerous situations. He, he finds sort of like a, a, a level of levity in just the danger of things and, and how he somehow gets through them. And, um, and so, you know, his comment was, I thought it was pretty funny. And I was just like, wow, that, that's, that's so him to say something like that. He did really enjoy it. Um, you know, he likes that kind of story to start with. And, and there was plenty in there that was fictional enough where it was new for him to read, too. Uh, I mean, you know, so it was a good story for him, too. Well, I'm glad to hear it, and I certainly enjoyed it immensely. And for our listeners who uh, may be first hearing about the fact that uh, you are also a, a book author, um, can you tell our listeners where they can uh, pick up your, your novel and, uh, and, and get into it themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can get it on Amazon. So you can go to Amazon.com or Amazon slash Kindle. And there is both the paperback and the uh, e-book version for uh, Kindle or other electronic devices. And um, you can order it there. My other books are also listed there. I, I use the uh, author's name R. St. Hilaire with St. spelled out, S-A-I-N-T, Hilaire. Um, so yeah, you can, you can grab it on, on Amazon. Thanks again, Shihan. I really enjoyed talking to you about this book. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you again about The Contractor, The Death Spiral. Yes, uh, an exciting sequel to the first book where Nick Branson has some other adventures. And I really appreciate you uh, doing this. This isn't our typical podcast. Usually we're into the you know technical or the philosophical or fitness all around jiu-jitsu. Um, but I think for our typical listeners who like to read some action and adventure and still have some jiu-jitsu woven in, this is going to be a great book series uh, for that. So thank you again, Sri, for uh, letting us talk about this. It's my pleasure, Jihan. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Sri.